Are you down and depressed, struggling to play the game of life? Could you use a little guidance, some honest advice, a weekly dose of functional encouragement? Well, if so, then ask your doctor about... No, just kidding. Don't do that. Join me, Sarah Rice. And me, Therapy Jeff. Two mental health professionals speaking honestly and transparently on the world's 8,749th BS-free mental health podcast. Yep, that's honesty. Listen to our new podcast, This Changes Everything. Okay, hello, hello, hello. I am Alessandra Torsani. This is Emotional Support. Today's episode is extremely, extremely special to me because my best friend in the entire the world, in the entire world, is here. And he came all the way from London town. I'd like to say it was just for me, but I know it's not for me, but we're going to pretend. If it was, I would send you the bill. <laughs> That's the best thing ever. You know. Welcome, Al. This is another Al, too. That's the funniest. We're both Al's. And we always have Al's and Alex's around us. I know. It's so weird. We can't just be on our own or just two. We can't. But there is just the two of us. There are just the two of us. It's always going to be the two of us. (laughs) It's true. And I was dying to hear you say, hello, hello, hello. Oh, is it? Do we like it or is it a little much? No, I love it. Is it a little obnoxious, though? No. I think it's good. I like it a lot. Do you know where it comes from? Um... No, tell me. Okay, it comes from Valerie Cherish from the comeback. Oh, Remember oh yes, 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 Hello, hello, hello. Yes. Uh, <laughs> then it's perfect. <laughs> Struggling actress, not sure if she's I making love it. it. <laughs> no, literally, it's because when she goes into the, if any, anyone is listening to this, which I hope you are, um, please don't turn it off. Uh, there is a show called The Comeback. It was on HBO with Lisa Kudrow. It's probably my favorite show of all time. It's hilarious. And there's, it's about a struggling actress that's getting her comeback, if you will, into right, the world. Right. And she does cringeworthy things and she goes into a network test, which are the most awkward things because it's usually like 40 businessmen that are not funny and don't know what comedy is. And they're just sitting there like, hmm. And she goes in and she goes, hello, hello, hello. And she just does anything to get a laugh and to get some love. So naturally, here I am right now. Of course, of course. Here we are. You know, I've never seen the comeback. What? Like the original or the sort of redone version. I've never watched it. I just like know everyone's obsessed with it. I feel like I don't know it. you. <laughs> Sorry, Re- revealing. Do you inner know why? Here. Actually, I think this is because when you moved back to London was when it came out. Was when it came out, mm. and yeah, I yeah. don't think it. I mean, it must not have hit in. Everybody that I know that has watched it is not English. Like, I just don't think it was. Yeah, it was a like an American. There, it was a struggling. American. What was it on HBO? HBO. Yeah, yeah. And at HBO. that time, you couldn't watch any HBO really there. Like, right, because it wasn't like Netflix no. or Amazon Prime. Or... No, like only the only thing you could watch maybe. Well, maybe it was even earlier, but then it was like reruns of Sex in the City. Ooh, yeah. so fancy. Exotic. <laughs> Samantha. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, I still watch Sex in the City. Sometimes it'll be on TV. If it's on, I watch it. It is, A, very raunchy. It and I used to watch it as a raunchy. child, so I'm like, okay, mom. <laughs> um, but it's also very dated. Super dated. Like, the, all of the interaction between the women, the women and the men. And the other day... 
I don't know where I was, but the first ever episode was on because I guess it's like one of those ones that just like start it and they talk roll to the to camera the end, and they're talking to the camera and they're talking so about having sex like men. Like the very first episode of the entire show, they're talking about like women having sex like men and she's trying to sleep with, I don't know who, like as a guy would. Right. And I was like, whoa, this is not exist And it's weird when they today. talk to the camera. To the camera it's yeah. like very uncomfortable. Super uncomfortable. And they introduced uh, Cynthia Nixon as Miranda to the camera at a salad bar. Right. <laughs> it was like, what was the Successful director's choice? Successful lawyer at a salad Successful bar. Successful lawyer at a salad bar. That was super weird. All of them were, it was very uncomfortable. It was so uncomfortable. <laughs> Do you know that I go to a salad bar maybe four times a week? Where? Gelson's. Oh, okay, that's I good. I love a supermarket. I, I used to go there when I lived in West Hollywood. But I feel like it must be really dirty. I'm sure. Like, you don't know about... Oh, my <laughs> like God. Like the sneeze guards? That makes me remember, so... Soup plantation? No, even further back, <laughs> there used to be a Safeway, um, like, in the Marina Green in San Francisco. Okay. So, part of our backstory yes, is that yes. we have this Northern California connection. Yes. And I remember being in there, I don't know if it was my mom or my dad, and there was a woman at... You know how they make, like, the fresh squeeze orange juice, and they put that in those big, like, ice... Stands okay, like yes, in the yes, fresh yes, but food. individually, not individually, like all together. Yeah, but they're sort of like just the bottle stuck in a thing of ice. Yeah, and there was a like an older woman. I mean, I was young, so she was that's like grandmother age at the time to me. So she was like sixty at that time, and she was like opening the bottle, testing it, putting the lid back no. on, and putting it back. No, and she probably went through like three different bottles, and then some, you know, attendant like a shelf stacker came over and was like, "Ma'am, you cannot be doing that. You can't just try the orange." She's like. <gasps> Well, I want to know if it tastes good or not. And then the guy said to her, no, ma'am, you have to buy it. If you open it and you take a sip, you have to buy it. And she's like, but what if I get it home and it's not good? What if it's already gone off? And she's like, well, you'll have to bring it back and we'll give you a a refund. She goes, but I don't, do you know how far away I live from here? I can't take this home, try it, and then come all the way back. And while they were talking, she like kept opening more bottles and trying it. It was the weirdest thing. My mom was like, I was mesmerized. My mom was like trying to like pull me away. And I was like, no, I just have to watch this. And then you drank all of them. <laughs> yeah, you like, left drama starting as a baby. You were like, I can't I get enough like, of drama. I must have been seven. Oh my god. Seven gosh. or maybe and eight. And you at vividly most. remember that. It's one of those weird things. Like I vividly remember this woman. And she looked like a crazy homeless woman yeah. from the Marina Green. Right. But she just happened to be like in the same She probably was a billionaire. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> San Francisco. She, yeah, she was probably a billionaire <laughs> she just who came like down from had Pacific a dot heights. Com. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> like we all think that, but that's not really the truth. Oh my God. Totally. Oh my gosh. Well, okay. So everyone knows I'm from Northern California. Yes. You're from Northern California. Yeah. But I think the funniest thing about our relationship is not we met in Los Angeles. We fell in love in LA. We've continued its love for let's see. Well, I moved back to London Shit. thirteen years ago. Yeah, and we've yeah. been friends for maybe four before that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God, we're all okay. It's crazy. Anyways. <laughs> um anyways, we're gonna ignore that. But um, the craziest and most absurd thing was years later after being friends, we discovered that I grew up with your cousin in right. Northern California. And for those of you who don't know, I was actually a competition dancer. I was Dance Moms before Dance Moms. I was a national tap and jazz champion. That's no great. big deal. <laughs> um, I don't put that on my resume or anything all the time. But... Emily, your cousin, was in the dance team with me. With you. 
And I knew her my entire life since I was probably like three or four years old. But do you know the reason why we didn't realize in the beginning was because even though I knew you were from Northern California, so we had this connection, but then I hadn't seen Emily Emily in at least a decade. Yeah. And then when she came to L.A., she moved into the apartment right beneath me. Right. Oh, I forgot about that. Yes. coincidence at USC. And um, then we reconnected over that. And then maybe a little while still went by before, like, I introduced her. It was, like, at least a year. Yeah, Yeah. before I was sort of, like, introducing her to my friends in here because we kind of had separate lives still. We were a year apart. And then you're like, wait a second. Emily Lewis? I mean, I was like, yeah, my cousin Emily Lewis. She's going to come out for dinner with us. Emily Lewis? And then it, like, all came out that it was, like, Also, Emily Lewis is kind of a common name, I feel like, right? I think in America, maybe. Yeah. Lewis is quite... Lewis. But, I mean, that was just wild because I hadn't seen her probably since I was 10 years old. Yeah. And now she's like an adult. She's an adult. I mean, I know we're adults, but, like, to know someone when you are a child to then know that they're an adult with children, it's just kind of a weird concept. Yeah. And I feel like that's it's happening cool. in our lives right now where everyone has children. Well, I'm going to meet her son for the first time in April. So, <gasps> yeah, that's oh my cool. God. And even you coming out here now, mm. it's so it must be really like kind of like not gross. Kids are great. That's not what I mean. But so strange that every time you come out to see there's a friend, like they're either children. pregnant or there's like a baby. Yeah. It's it's I mean cuz also none of my friends in the UK are like that. Are like that really like not a lot of them have had kids. A lot of um Alex's kids, my mm-hmm. uh, Alex's friends have had right. kids. Um Who's my boyfriend? For those who don't know, that yeah. I'm called Alex, and my boyfriend's also called Alex. <laughs> and um, I'm Alessandra. <laughs> so that's why there's always a lot of Al's. Um, so a lot of his friends have had kids already. But then, like my friends in the UK, not a lot of them have had kids. Right. So when I come out here, they're like, So yeah, I'm having one more. Or yeah. like, oh, Or can they come to lunch? It. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's like, oh, I'm, I'm not available. I'm just, like, changing diapers today. Like, I don't, you You're know. just like, how did this happen? Yeah. We were just, like, exchanging numbers with random dudes on the street. No, that was just me. <laughs> <laughs> we were just at Coachella or something. We were just something. at Coachella. Yeah. We were just at GT Dave's house. Like, that's a reference that people probably won't understand. But anyways. <laughs> um, but for those of you that are listening that mm. don't know the story of Alexander Lewis. Yes. Alexander Lewis, that is you, is the most phenomenal. <laughs> person in my life and like I could cry thinking about it because you're just such a special being in my life but saying and continuing this on what you did already in your life is such an accomplishment and I think that the majority of the people will want to hear this part of your story is because we've had no one on here like this is you're a huge fashion designer and you have been doing this you were a businessman and you were a tailor on Savile Row. That is like, isn't that an Annie in the in the song, in the musical Annie? Does she talk something about on Savile Row or does something. She, she oh. does something, and every time I think of Savile Row, I think of you, and I then I think like of Annie. We need to brush it up. We're gonna find it. We'll like put it in the background of this <laughs> or something silly. But I think that it's like the most incredible thing because you were the youngest tailor on Savile Row, right? I was a young cutter, yeah, so it's very, like, segmented. Everybody sort of stays in their lane. Uh Um, And I was a young cutter. I don't know if I was the youngest ever. I I might have been. I think you were. What happened was was that when I left, the person who came after me was also extremely young, so then he kind of took on the moniker. But but he was younger than me. But I think when I started, I was, like, one of the youngest or the youngest at that time. Um, 
So yeah, that was kind of because you went to USC. I did. So, so I, you're I, an LA boy. The weird kind thing of is that like I was in Northern California, then I moved to London, then I came back to California to go to USC. Right? So I went from north to south, and then after I stayed another year in LA, and then I gra- and then after I graduated, and then I went back to London, and then I worked as like this young cutter, young tailor on Savile Row. Um, after I was a personal shopper for a year in London, yes. like trying to figure out what I was going to do, which You're was a like young super boy in weird. City. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> spreading my wings, and I um, and then I started my brand like in 2011. So, wow. how old were you? Um, maths. Um, <laughs> 2011. I, well, I was uh, nine years ago. 26. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, and you were in. Not only did you have a huge online presence and all of this stuff, but I'll never forget you were in Barney's. Yeah. Right? You were in Saks. Saks. Oh um, my God. I was in other little stores in the States, but like mostly on the East Coast and in Chicago and then in Asia and like Singapore and South Korea, London, online, like Netaport in like different. And you had fashion shows and then you did a collaboration with. Manolo? Is that who you did the comedy? So I did the, the shoes with Manolo Blahnik <gasps> collaboration. Yes, that's what it's it was. True. It I was also, Manolo. I always did a lot of collaborations, which I also think, I always sort of question, like, one, I love it because it's like two people from creative processes sort of like banging yeah. together to create something new or like, uh, you know, melding in a way, like just seeing what comes. Yeah. And then other times I also used to think like, is it me just being like, oh, I'm not quite sure if I can just do it on my own. So I had to like bring somebody oh, else in. Oh, interesting. Like you needed maybe. <clears throat> Some kind of like. Like you felt like a child that needed a hand kind of to yeah. like pull them along. Or like maybe it also, it did help at times like that those people that I managed to do the collaborations with always had a bigger name than I did. Mm-hmm. So they was like, you know, it helped to sort of level up. And you could trust, right? Yeah, and I knew like, okay, this person's going to sort of also be able to guide me a little Mm -hmm. bit or assist so that it's not just me on my own. Right. So that was quite um, important, I guess. But so, yeah, there was Manolo, and then I dressed lots of people, which was cool. So many. Yeah, which was great. And then uh, and I closed my business eventually from, uh, I guess we'll get into that, but like basically (laughs) at the end of the whole like journey of it, so after six years... I closed it, and the last person I dressed was Lady Gaga. Yeah. And it was like, it had happened a couple times previously through stylists. Mm-hmm. And then when I dressed her for the last time I dressed her, I basically made like 10 costumes for her to wear for um, Joanne. Joanne. And for three, the three singles that came out, mm-hmm. and as well as she wore it on her tour. The suits. The suits, exactly. Mm-hmm. And um, and I was like, you know what? I think that's the time to close it. Like, close it on a high. Like, Everyone's like, what are you bed. doing? Why are you closing? You just dressed Lady Gaga. Like, everywhere she's wearing Alexander Lewis. And I was like, I think it's just I'm done now. Well, and I think it was such a weird, not that that was a weird time, but the fashion industry, I think, it's something that I know a lot about just because of you and because, you know, my other friend Jenna who's mm. in it. I, I have my like pause in it, if you will, a mm-hmm. little bit, but it's not my world sure. and I can appreciate it, but I don't understand it at all. And and I'm more of if I had my own clothing brand, I want it to be like Kmart Target. Uh-huh, <laughs> like, uh-huh. 
for the people. Yes, like yes. as I'm like a people person, like I still go to Target and get like T-shirts. You know what I mean? I'm like, it's true. I'm very like chill. You yeah, know, I'm like yeah. a chill person, but I can appreciate it. But I think that there was just a lot of stimulation, a lot of bullshit that was kind of going on in the business. And this was right when online was taking off. Yes. People were buying cheaper things. Yeah. I was probably to blame for that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, but people were buying cheaper things. Celebrities were making things that weren't even amazing, but because, you know, the the Kardashians, right? This is right when Kardashians started. Um, And everyone had so much PR and and bullshit behind them. Totally. That middle America wanted to buy these pieces Mm. opposed to works of art, which is what yours were. Yeah, I was Um, on the other side of the you know the business and the sort of spectrum of yeah not only cost but also like the appearance of it you know yeah and i'll never forget like the whole timing like i think this was a little bit before the time of when you um shut the company down but alexander mcqueen right Mm -hmm. who's one of the best designers in the entire world always was and always will be you know that was a huge shock in the fashion world Mm -hmm. of suicide he committed suicide it was a huge thing people were not expecting it they had Mm -hmm. no idea why um he was 10 years ago last week is that what it was wow weird Mm -hmm. that we're recording this now um and he was just at the top of his game. Yeah. And I think that's obviously for other industries that are creative, and this is what you do, but you look of how difficult the fashion industry is and mm-hmm, what it mm-hmm. has become. We've talked about this before, that stress is at an all-time high. Definitely. And you kind of had that moment where you're like, okay, you know what? I'm going to take a step back. Hmm. This is not what I'm going to do. This is not my journey, if you will. Definitely. Um, and you have now created a whole new side of yourself with spirituality and through meditation and yeah. all this stuff. But was that part of the whole end game of knowing that what it was doing to your mental health and how hard it was? So... I that was didn't. just a mouthful that I gave. No, but that's you set it up perfectly. <laughs> so basically, I think when I think back about it, the what happened at the very end and like why it was so abrupt was that I was in Paris where you go multiple times a year to sell the collection to stores. And I was doing a showroom. But alongside the selling to the stores is also the PR and the marketing. Right. There's events. There's dinner parties. There's like shop openings, all this stuff. And what had happened from the moment I started my company to when I had closed it in that window was sort of like not only the advent of really a lot of online sales taking mm-hmm. place, but bloggers and <gasps> right. street style influencers. stars, influencers. Yeah. Exactly. And, and they all want free shit. They all want free shit. And they all think that they're like worth more than everything else. Yeah. So what and I. And to be fair, yeah. they are in a sense because the industry has it's allowed true. it. I mean, totally I will true. never forget seeing bloggers that I knew that were girls that were literally trashy club girls that did dirty cocaine at Chateau Marmont yep. in the most disgust like the most disgusting girls and they would be front row yep. at like Saint Laurent or something and I'd be Definitely. like, how did this happen? Like I'm an actress who's actually doing real things and I'm not even invited to these things. And these girls I, I, by the way, on a side note, there was a blogger that I knew, and like she was just the shadiest of all of them. Okay, and she used to get her stuff at Zara and all these other stores, take a picture in it, and return, return it. it. And I was like, that is 
so wrong on so many levels because the worst part was is she could afford it. Yeah. So that's kind of what happened. That's like one. Sorry, that was like my ranch and rave on block. But it's true. So this one very specific day, I basically was in the showroom and there was a blogger, an influencer. I don't know whatever she wants to be called. And um, she'd worn clothing of mine a couple times in in London to like events and to maybe a show of mine or something. And she wanted to borrow a dress or a look to go to the opening of a of a store. Mm-hmm. I feel like it was like an Azaro store, but it might have been something else. Anyway, she said, oh, can I come by the showroom and try it on? And I'll just take it with me. I said, sure. What time are you going to come? 10 a.m. Okay, I have an appointment at 10 a.m. It's with my most important customer. Can you come at 11? Right. And she said, okay, I'll come at 11. And then we had this back and forth all day long of like changing the times. Can I come now? No, you can't come now. Oh, sorry, I'm not. I'm running late. I won't be there for two hours. I was like, how do you run late two hours? Paris is like the size <laughs> it's a of nickel. like a nickel. <laughs> yeah, it's so small. Like what the hell's going on? And it just kept going on and on and on. And I had to go out to other appointments and I had other buyers coming to see me and I had to like eat something because I wasn't going to wait all day for her in the showroom wow. like with a having lunch. And eventually... I don't even remember exactly what happened at the very end of the day, but I just remember feeling so deflated and defeated by this interaction with somebody who was taking me and my time for, for granted. granted. Yeah. And all all of that was for me to be able to get her, who wasn't even really a famous right. person. She was just... Wasn't Lady Gaga. It was definitely not <laughs> Lady Gaga. And she wasn't like a big-time influencer. Mm-hmm. She wasn't like major... She was just somebody that I had built up enough of a rapport with that I felt confident or comfortable giving her clothing to wear because I would get it back. And in the end, I don't think she even came because by the time she was like, oh, I need the dress right now to go to the opening of the store. I was like, I've been talking to you for at least eight hours now about this dress. It's 6 p.m. Like, I'm sorry. I'm just not going to do it. I have to go. I'll leave it at the concierge downstairs. If you want it, you can pick it up and change, you know, in the hotel. So I think she did pick up the dress, but that whole day, like, I suddenly had a flashback of, like, the entire 10 months or a year running up to that day. Mm -hmm. And I just thought about how so many instances like that had occurred. Mm -hmm. And in a way, I kind of, like, let them all happen because they felt like so nothing, like, Mm -hmm. insignificant. It was just a bad day. It was just one person who's kind of pissed me off today. It's just... But in reality, they were all building up, building up, building up, building up. And then I thought about it. I was like, I have really not had a good time this year. Like the last 10 months to 12 months. I'm not happy. I wasn't happy. I wasn't enjoying my work Mm -mm. anymore. And then I kind of thought like, you know what? I haven't been going into the studio early as I used to do. It's not that I was like partying and staying out and I, therefore I was no, late. No, but I you just, were like excited to get to work. You before, were excited to create. Yeah. You were excited to and draw. And that was gone. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, five o'clock, got to get out of here. We're closing up the shop. I kind of changed the whole like atmosphere with the with my team, mm-hmm. the girls that all worked for me. So I would be like, you know, I wouldn't be upset if they were late for work. And I would not be upset if they were like leaving early because mm-hmm. I didn't have any expectation of them because I didn't have the expectation of myself. Right. And it had sort of just flown under the radar for a year. So what happened was, was after that day, I called Alex crying and I was like, I'm closing my business. This is, I'm just, I can't do this anymore. It's so difficult to yeah. like see how any of that makes sense to building a business because it's not going to do anything for me in yeah. the long run. And he's like, okay, just take some time, think about it. 
I know you had a bad day, but let's just like talk about it when you get back to London. So I went back to London. So this was like maybe the second or third of that year, October. It was a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And I um, was going to visit my dad and Barbara in Costa Rica. Oh, no. I was going to to Palm Springs. <gasps> That's for... our other favorite meetup spot. <laughs> we love the desert. Because my grandmother lives there. So I was going there for Thanksgiving to play golf with my dad and visit my grandmother. And so I came out here for Thanksgiving. And on the golf course, I was talking to my dad about it. And through the conversation, I think he was really, really trying to do his best as like a dad to help mm-hmm. me find a way to keep going and to like, pursue what had been basically a dream of mine for right. such a long time and I he was so so sweet about it but basically you know when someone gives you advice but like it's the opposite <laughs> so they basically hear. tell you what you want to hear yeah. <laughs> which is the opposite of what they think they're saying you're like great I'm done yeah awesome so at the end of it I just said to him okay thanks and I didn't say anything to him and when I got back to London like literally the next day on the first of December I just Announced to everybody in the company. I was like, I'm sorry, guys. I'm giving you all three months notice. Like, you don't have to leave. You can leave if you want. But I'm closing the company and that's it. And they were like in shock because we literally had just done all of this stuff for Lady Gaga. And we had done... um, Because actually, the Lady Gaga thing had actually transpired after that day in October. Oh, really? Yeah. So in my head, I was already like one foot out the door which is funny because when you're one foot out the door that's usually when like the biggest things come and that's when it happened and it was basically like in the run-up to thanksgiving Mm -hmm. was all of this stuff for her getting all everything ready and like every time we delivered something they asked for like more of the same more 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 and then in the process of closing down the business in those three months before i let go of everybody at the end of february was when we were really like working Mm-hmm. basically harder than we've been working in the whole like previous year when I wasn't happy to deliver everything to her on time for her to like launch the album. Yeah. And that's why people were like, what just happened? Because yeah. then like April 1st or no, March 1st comes around and like the company's shut. God. And then her album came out. And people I'm sure were reaching out to you and were like, can you do this? Can you do I that? I got a lot of requests based off of that. Oh, it's a funny thing, like in uh, sort of layman's or outside of industry, people always think, oh, as soon as a celebrity wears something, it sells out for the brand <laughs> or like all the stores want to carry it. And it doesn't ex- work no, like that. I mean, work. maybe, you know, when Kate, like Catherine wore this like blue dress for engagement photo to William, right. Prince William, like that sold out fine. Right. But generally speaking, like not everybody wants to dress like Lady Gaga. Yeah. So <laughs> In a baby powder blue suit? Right. You're saying no? Yeah, so no. Yeah, pink no. <laughs> so... But it did mean a lot of people were, like, reaching out to me. And so I then decided to spend, like, I just decided to, like, let the company wind down. Everyone was out. It took me, like, maybe another couple months to sort of really, like, like sign off everything, close everything down, close the bank accounts, make sure I didn't have to owe anybody money. And I just decided to, like, take some time, Mm -hmm. you know, and figure out what was next really, really slowly. Um, And that's when I started to meditate. Which we've talked about before. Which was really cool because when Sturgis and I came to visit in London, 
You had you known that he did transcendental meditation no. yet? No, no, right? Because we went to that yummy little restaurant, just the three of us. Yes. It was very romantic. Granger. Uh, yes, yes. Granger. Secrets were shared. <laughs> Lots of secrets were shared. Um, and we were talking about TM and yes. how I had just started doing it a couple months before. And I finally felt, um, not that I felt better, not that I felt like I had this grandiose epiphany of everything is perfect and it's all because of this. I finally felt calm. Mm. And not every single day situation, but I kind of felt grounded. Like I could feel my feet for the first time in a long time. Yeah, it makes, it changes you really quickly when you start doing it. Like, and it's so simple, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's so simple. And you kind of went on your own to do this. I did. I mean, I had heard actually weirdly of it from one of the girls used to work for me. She had been to one of the information Mm -hmm. sessions with her boyfriend, but she felt that it was a bit too culty for her. Right. And I was like, oh, I'm definitely interested in that. (laughs) (laughs) Sign me up right now. And um, and yeah, like some of my favorite podcasts are about cults. Yeah. So listen, I love a cult. Love a cult. (laughs) And so something else I've discussed with my therapist is like, what is my fascination with cults really about? (laughs) And hopefully that fascination with the cults was partially what brought me to, to TM. Yeah. In truth. So I go... And um, TM, just so everyone knows, I've discussed it before, but it's transcendental meditation. Yes. It's just a form of meditation. It's not for everybody. I'm not, like, preaching it. It just is the first time... It's it's very great for creatives. I... Yes. How, how I perceive it. Which was the other reason why I was very drawn to it was that right, notion. Right, we're very antsy. Like, we always yeah. are, like, a mile a minute. Yes. And I can't sit there with them, um, like, that kind of stuff. I can't no. listen to gongs, like, none of that shit. Like, I need to be by myself, in my head. I can, you know, do it wherever I want to do it. And you it. don't need to, like, practice for a long no. time to do it. You just it's learn it. It's not like it. a yogi thing. No, you learn it in yeah. one day and you're yeah. good to go, basically. You're like, bye, and they kick you out. Totally. Yeah. And, you know, I think that was a major thing because I tried other types of meditation before and mindfulness and I really can't, like, I can do yoga, but I don't want to do it and right. I don't enjoy it. And I found out eventually later that yoga and TM come from the exact same place like right. from the vedas so the maharishi and, in, all that, yeah. and when you're doing one versus the other they're essentially doing the same thing but one's doing it through sound which is tm yeah and the other's doing it through physical action which is yeah. yoga yeah so i was like well i am doing you're yoga like, I'm doing it the same it's just way. a different way doing thank it you the very easier, much lazier yes. way. <laughs> it, but it's also faster <laughs> so. but you know what i think is the funniest thing is that when you told sturgis and i and i feel like a lot of people um are going to be able to relate to this is your partner, Alex, was not doing it. No, he wasn't. And he did not understand it and he did no. not know. And it wasn't. He didn't really want to. No, know and it's it not. A, it wasn't like a negative thing. He no. just didn't understand it and he no. didn't want to. It wasn't for him. No, and I remember you being like, yeah, I know he really hates it and he won't tell me because when he's walking above us in the bedroom, he's like, I'll be like, I'm going down to do some TM for 20 minutes and he's stomping. Yes. Like this. And I don't think he knows he does that. Oh, it's totally. But passive. he's going to know about it now. Well, now he knows about it because I. <laughs> Alex, we love you. Love it was you the funniest so much, thing. Baby. But but it was the funniest <laughs> thing because I was like, oh my God, I totally relate to him because yeah. I was so annoyed for the first 
three years of Sturgis and I being together, he did it. Mm. And I remember we were in Vegas one time, and he did it in Vegas at the pool. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) I'm like, you're such a fucking freak. Like, this was what my thought process was. And I was like, this is so stupid. And for me, I was like, this is a cult. Like, this is weird. And if he saw people that he knew, he's like, oh, yeah, we TM together. I'm like, oh, okay, you TM together. Like, okay. And now I TM together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's amazing when you do it with other people or oh my gosh, whether it's, it's one like person or like a big group. But has it helped? I mean, obviously it's helped your mental It definitely health. helped a lot. I think You creatively were inspired to do something else as well. With mental health. Yeah. Yeah. So based off of that, <laughs> I, um, and I think this was part of what was really important was that like I was not only doing TM, but I was also in therapy. Yeah. And I think this came up at a like day retreat that I went to, like a TM day mm-hmm. retreat where somebody had only been doing TM for maybe, I don't know, like three months when he came to the retreat. And he was saying that the TM was bringing up so many issues from his childhood and his youth and growing yeah. up. And what was he supposed to do now? He had all these things coming out mm-hmm. because that's what TM does, but he didn't know how to like handle them or deal with them or, or process, process yeah. them at all. And so I like put up my hand and said, you know, I think you're only getting 50% of this because you're doing the TM, which is giving you access to the issues that you Mm -hmm. need to process and deal with. But the part that you're not dealing with or not, you don't have access, you're not, it's not included in the sort of equation is therapy. Yeah. And so by doing the TM and also being in therapy, like as things come up or as I'm able to sort of grab hold of them or like start to sort of be more comfortable with a concept or an idea that I would maybe would have like shoved to the back of the Mm -hmm. line before I have something to talk about with it. So because um, I did, I was doing the TM, I was doing therapy and I was doing other processes to sort of like understand myself better, Mm -hmm. understand what the time that I was working as a designer, how that affected me, what it meant to me, what the business or the industry meant to me. I really came to this place where like I decided I wanted to set up something for the fashion industry to sort of help draw more attention to like what mental health in that industry looks like and how bad it is either perceived or just left, you know, how and it is so bad is. because it's so glamorized. Yeah. And especially, you know, going back to the bloggers and influencers and all this stuff. I mean, you see these girls and I talked about it with my friend um, Lars on the show, of you see these girls that are traveling the world and Mm. they're wearing Gucci and Prada and they have, you know, the limited edition Fendi baguette bag that has not come out yet. And you're like, how? Because how do you afford this? Like, how are you making this lifestyle and their bodies are perfect and they're doing all this stuff? It's all fake. And it's all fake. And the worst part is that people really are led to believe that it's all real. I know. Even I was. I'm like, what am I doing? (laughs) And they are like, do you know, you just, they think that it's all real and they don't have any idea like the, everything's rented or it's bought and returned to the store. It's a, you know, loan from the brand or for PR. Well, and also like being designers now, there are so many kids and and adults who have followed this dream of being designers and and being like incredibly creative and incredible seamstresses and like do all these things. And then you have a random influencer that comes along. I mean, I hate to be... I hate to be a bitch that's putting these people down, but I think that 
80% of the people that are in quote unquote bloggers and influencers are living this fake life and it's like fucking children up so badly. Well, themselves and, too. And themselves, but it's like really like mentally like fucking me up and, and other people. <laughs> there you go. Freudian slip me up. <laughs> um, but you see these girls and they're like faces are so perfect and then you see them in person and you're like, oh, really? That's what you look like. Yeah. like and it's all filters and yep. injections and all this stuff. But it's you see the, it's not real, but you see the people who are creatively geniuses mm. and nothing comes to fruition for them because you see people who do have the following, even if it's a fake following, yeah. and they're getting the opportunity to have their own clothing line. Yes. Like you look at Revolve, right? Revolve has been very nice to me and they send me clothes and they're very wonderful. But you see a lot of their designers and you're yeah. like, you're not a designer. Like you're an influencer. And they're like, also promoting this like vision of fake you know yeah. it's like on these fabulous holidays on a beach yeah. that no one's ever going to get to no and they all look amazing yeah. with new looks breakfast lunch and dinner mm-hmm. so it's all it's like really intense i love free shit and i get free shit from revolve who doesn't love so free? i will say thank you revolve <laughs> for that but i'm also very honest of yeah, who i am and course. i'm not trying to to hide it no you know um, and I think that's important, and I let people know that I get free shit. That's why I'm not buying out, you know, yeah. $300 miniskirt that has a random print on it that I would never buy. Um, I'm a classic girl, you know? <laughs> but it's so awesome. And what is the organization that, well, it's not you know, it's getting there. Well, it's not yet, but we're getting but closer. it's getting there. Part of the problem is that I proposed this thing to a group in the U.K. where they raise money for young designers. And um, I said, look, you can't give them um, like a check, let's just say, like funding for whatever the business program or the business sort of um, aspect they want to grow or develop Mm -hmm. without giving them support for themselves mentally. Because in the awards they get given, they get given cash, they get given mentorship from somebody, you know, more successful than in the industry and always I've heard that, that those mentorships don't really function the way that they ought to. It's mm-hmm. kind of like, here's the person's email or number. They're probably not going to get back to you because they're right. really busy. And then that's sort of it. They get the award. And I was like, you're you're giving them a hundred thousand pounds, let's say, like you know, one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and you're letting them go run loose with that, but they don't have the mental capacity mm-hmm. in a sense to understand what that means. Like even the fact that you may have just won something and been given 150,000 pounds or dollars is going to do something to you mm-hmm. and you don't know how to handle that mm-hmm. and you don't necessarily have you need like, the guidance you need the guidance you don't have the wherewithal to like understand that you know the choices you're making because you're always partying or the choices you're making because you are I don't know have control issues and you eat in a specific way or whatever, like all those things are going to play into your business as well. Mm. And these are young people who are running growing, fledgling businesses that are becoming more successful and you're giving them more money. And it's kind of like that person is not capable of taking care of themselves. How Mm. can they take care of a business? So you're sort of like helping them speed up the like car crash. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of like the theory behind it. And what I wanted to do was to help show these designers, especially in the UK where I think mental health is sort of like um, a bit more buzzwordy than action mm. or reality. Right. Um, and even like the idea of like mental health in the fashion industry, it's very much a buzzword that's kind of like already gone 
yeah. out of fashion, like out yeah. of style quickly and um, sort of keep it in people's minds that this is like really something they should work on and that it needs to be offered to them in a way that they need to find what works for them. Like mm -hmm. we were saying, TM isn't for everybody. And no. I tried other types of meditation before I got to that. So somebody else might like a different type of meditation. Right. But they need to know that there's like therapy. They need to know there's TM or they other They need types. to know that there are other places for them to go. Yes. And, and it doesn't just have to be like be alcohol and drugs. Right, 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 right. Or there could be yoga or it could be anything. Like just learning how to take care of yourself as a child. You know, <laughs> well, I feel like a lot of people, I feel like schools, yeah, they have, um, oh God, what is it? Because obviously I went to school. Um, Counseling? No. When they teach you like how to cook. Oh, like home, home ec. ec yeah, 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 like yeah. Home, home ec. ec home you ec. know, I feel like they need that for teenagers slash college, like True. maybe even me. Like True. I just learned how to write a check. That is absurd. <laughs> like I'm 32 years old. Do like people still take checks. Well, I mean, I guess so, yes. <laughs> but, like, these are, like, stupid-proof things that I should know how to do. Yeah, that's true. But I wasn't taught them because I was mm. so busy acting mm -hmm. and I was busy doing this. And, like, my mom handles my finances. And, you know, she has a business degree, so why would I get into it? You know? But, like, stupid things like this yeah. that I was lucky enough to have the resources where it was provided for me the best of the best. Yeah. But a lot of people don't know how to do that. So no. if they get success very young or even if they don't have success and they just get a little bit of cash it's about organizing it. it's about managing it and yeah. that all affects your mental health because Definitely. if you spend that money all at once then what do you do yeah you're fucked yeah basically my god well and truly well can I, I ask you a question yeah, of course okay because like we can go on for hours <laughs> but like this is what i really want to know what people want to know okay alex what makes you get up in the morning and continue on with your life hmm because um, I feel like that all related to this. Definitely. Like that's what we were coming to. So I think I think what it is really in that sense is like that I feel like every day I have an opportunity to be a better version of myself than the day before. Mm. And that's I mean like I have a very normalized routine. I get up at 5:50 every day and I make <sighs> coffee for both of us and then I go to the gym at 6.30 and then I get home at 7.30 and at 7.30 at 7.40 I meditate mm -hmm. and that's sort of like I sort of always have that every day and then it's hard when you're traveling but I do always have meditation as my first thing in the day and I feel like the meditation is there to make me a better person mm -hmm. and to help me deal with the stresses of the day to stay calmer to process to let things come up that I maybe buried and so because that's like within the first hour of me being awake or two hours, it's really like important to me that it's it has to be the first thing. Um, it sets the tone almost. Definitely. And that is me trying to be a better version of myself. Mm -hmm. You know, like I've recently realized that with um, since closing my business and the brand that what I've been struggling with is actually in a weird way, but not at all is a PTSD Oh, my God, really? Yeah. And I think because everybody thinks of that as, like, you have to have been in war or you have to have, like, no, but seen what a murder. Is, what or... do you think that the PTSD, like, like you mean from the company, like that whole, the whole, the whole experience that you of went that. through? Yeah, like of being in the fashion industry, having a business the way that I had it, dealing with the people the way that I had to deal with them, what I had to do of myself in order to make it happen, and then the abruptness with which I closed the company. Mm -hmm. Um I think 
like was basically a prolonged trauma punctuated by like a moment of trauma, mm-hmm. which then became PTSD mm-hmm. that was extremely um, like low flying. Like it was just mm-hmm. so small and minuscule in my daily life that it was really, really hard to recognize it until now, three years later. And that's usually what happens is you don't realize all the trauma that you've been through in your life until you take a step back, you breathe, and you, like, meditate it out. Well, this has been fun. (laughs) I'm so glad you came on vacation to come on this and have this conversation about very deep issues. Of course. What else do you talk about on holiday? I mean, at least we had fun doing it. Yes. Um, Well, Alex and I have to go because we're really hungry and we're going to dinner. And (laughs) we were going to continue on with our early early bird special. We love Greenblatt's Deli. Maybe we should go there again. Um, I love you so much. I'm so happy. Thank you so much for for being my biggest supporter of this show too because you have been like number one like you were the first person that I told about this too so that's like full circle moment over here (laughs) another Valerie Cherish all right thanks everyone bye thank you